Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are the recordings of our Sunday morning talks. We pray that these are helpful to you, so please enjoy. All the way from Hastings. Tommy, are you ready? Can we hand over to you? I am ready, yes, absolutely. Can everyone hear me? Give me a little wave if you can hear me all properly, if that's okay. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Tommy. No Lord, we, we bless you for Tommy and we thank you for his uh, work and his uh, attention that he spends time uh, thinking about wider things uh, that he can share with the church worldwide. So now, Lord, thank you. It's a privilege that he's going to talk to us about some of the things he's discovered. So we pray for him now. And give us ears to listen, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. It's a, good just, morning. Still not used to doing church like this yet, but <laughs> hey, it's a blessing that we're able still to meet like this anyway, isn't it? Um, and that's good. I'm very glad that someone mentioned, I forget who it was, someone mentioned that there's no need to get dressed for church anymore. I'm glad someone else said that because I said to my boys this morning, guys, come on, just get dressed, time to go to church. And they... They looked at me like I had two heads and continue, continue to sort of march down in their pants to watch <laughs> to watch the service. I'm not sure if it's a good good effect it's having on us in this household, but there we go. So I'm glad to be able to share with you this morning. And, and Martin, are you doing the slides? Yeah, have you got you're good to go on them? Okay, so we are speaking on the subject of Adam and Eve. Martin's asked me just to address this topic and why they matter. Um, so we can it'll kind of the slides will just come up and I'll continue talking and trust you can all read them give you some visuals there um, now for me this is I consider this a really important topic but it's also I believe a very neglected topic particularly by today's uh, theologians and there's a couple of reasons for that that I've discovered one is usually that people just um, do not want to sort of enter into this territory because it, it kind of gets a bit murky with the creation evolution debate and it's an area that people avoid and that's fine I understand understand that to some degree but there's actually another reason that I find which is probably slightly more common that, that people um, neglect this topic and that is simply because uh, they haven't thought through the implications of what Adam and Eve mean for Christian theology and so this morning I want to just try and share with you in about 10 minutes a few things that will just show us how important this is because the implications are massive and we're going to look at two areas this morning where I believe you see these the most. One is a theological reason and the second is a historical reason. So Adam and Eve both affects us theologically and historically. Now this is just a snapshot there will be a longer half hour talk being sent to you guys so you can put it on your podcast feed or, or whatever you do at some point so uh, th this is just really to hopefully whet your appetite so firstly let's look at the theological issues now you may be aware that Adam and Eve are sort of uh, they are actually quite pivotal to an understanding of the gospel a correct understanding or a consistent understanding of the Christian gospel the gospel means the good news doesn't it there's no good news without bad news the bad news obviously goes right back to this era in history with Adam and Eve. So you can see that connection. It, it's fairly straightforward. 
and, and actually we teach that very well in Sunday school and things like that. It's usually in the adult church services that we get a little more confused about these issues. Um, but that is the connection. And this is why I find it uh, slightly perplexing why so many Christian leaders um, are willing to just sort of say that Adam and Eve are maybe a, a literary metaphor uh, or sort of a poetic example to explain how the world got like it is. Or there's a million of these sorts of um, views that, that hold to this perspective on Adam and Eve. And I always find it quite um, well, shocking, actually, what, why something that's so intimately connected to the gospel is brushed under the carpet so easily. So I hope I'm just going to want to try and demonstrate to you this morning why this is a problem. And let me read it to you from someone who does understand the issues involved. He is the head of the American Atheists. This is a man called Frank Zindler. And read this quote. It's quite revealing. He says, the most devastating thing that biology did to Christianity was the discovery of biological evolution. Now that we know that Adam and Eve never were real people, the central myth of Christianity is destroyed. If there never was an Adam and Eve, there never was an original sin. If there never was an original sin, there is no need for salvation. If there is no need for salvation, there is no need for a savior. And I submit that puts Jesus into the ranks of the unemployed. Now this, this quote, I just find this such a powerful quote coming from an atheist who understands the connection between the gospel and Adam and Eve. And he, he, he is logical here. He sees what happens. If Adam and Eve didn't exist, then original sin is wiped off the map, in which case that does put Jesus into the ranks of the unemployed, which is absolutely something that no Christian can affirm. Now, we want to be consistent. I understand that people are not consistent sometimes, and Jesus still has the power to save and to, to speak into our lives regardless of these issues. But as Christians, we want to present a consistent message. So I say this is a big issue theologically, and hopefully that quote there has shown you why. Now let's move into the biblical text, and I'll try and demonstrate this further. You may or may not have noticed that every time, well not every time, but a huge majority of times that the Apostle Paul, so that's the, the premier theologian of the New Testament, every time he wants to teach about a serious uh, a theological topic, foundational issues to the Christian faith, things like why we have death, how sin entered the universe, what the fall of man was, what does justification by faith mean, what does the future resurrection mean for, Christ for Christian believers, that's our hope, that's what we strive for as pilgrims in this earth, waiting for you know, the day we see Jesus like he is in our resurrection bodies, it's so central to the Christian faith, all of those things, none of them can be classed as secondary issues, Any, no Christian would class them as secondary issues, but they do class Adam and Eve as secondary issues, now, this is the connection. When Paul teaches about these things throughout the New Testament, how does he build his theological case? And this is what I want you to start seeing in the scriptures. He uses Adam and Eve. Now, you might not have noticed that, but he always uses Adam and Eve. Let me show you. Let's just read a couple of these scriptures together. Romans 5.12, major book of theology in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul argues, he says, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Now he's building his case in Romans about why we need the gospel, about what has happened to this world, and he mentions through one man, and that is clearly a reference pointing back to the first sin by the first man in the Garden of Eden. Clearly he takes this to be a historical account. 
But he builds his argument further. Let's read verses 5, 17 and 18 together. This is a very important verse. He says, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. And you see how this is, you know, Romans chapter five is a pivotal uh, chapter in the New Testament theology that we have. He's talking about righteousness and justification here, but he's connecting the two, the one man Jesus to the one man Adam, the corporate head of humanity, Adam, and then the corporate head of new born again humanity, Jesus Christ. These two are so intimately connected that he actually uses this as a stepping stone for his theology. So we wipe away Adam and Eve at our own peril because we, we take away our foundation for the gospel. But it's not just justification by faith. Like I say, he does it with the resurrection too. So if we look at, uh, let's, let's look at another verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 22. And again, if you know 1 Corinthians 15, it's that glorious chapter that speaks about the resurrection of Christ, the twinkling of an eye, all these amazing concepts that sort of thrill our heart that we can barely get our heads around to understand, but they are our hope. They're what our hearts long for. And this is how the Apostle Paul teaches about them. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And then a few verses later in the same chapter, he says, uh, so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So he actually, one of the names of Jesus Christ is the last Adam. You see, this is how connected the, the subject of Adam and Eve is. All of these New Testament doctrines are rooted in what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so when we start saying that these things maybe are just poetry, they're just ways to explain what this is happening, we need to be very careful because we are actually undoing the complex and beautiful theology of the New Testament leading to the teaching of the last Adam, which is one of the most glorious truths that we have in the New Testament, the resurrection, the last Adam, Christ being the first fruit. So we must, where the scripture connects these things, we must leave them connected rather than try and find a way that maybe doesn't bring us into conflict with some of the evolutionary science and these sorts of things. So we mustn't be scared by that. We must have the scripture as our authority there. These are much deeper truths. I hope you appreciate I'm just giving you a very uh, overview of these things. Let's look at one more issue and, and then we'll draw this to a close. And this is the historical issue. You see that the biblical worldview, the Christian faith, it, it's not just a, a moral set of teachings. It's not just a metaphysical set of ideas that we sort of have. It's a worldview that's rooted in the real history of the world. We know this, we still use, you know, we date our calendar by what Christ did. And this is the, you know, it's history. And we must understand that that has some consequences uh, with believing the history. You see, if Adam and Eve were not real people, if they say, let's say they evolved from a lineage of previous ape-like creatures, and they kind of became human when God breathed into them the breath of life, that's a very common view. Um, this creates a number of problems. If you want to hold that view, you've got to deal with the problems that it creates. 
And one of the main problems is, and one of the main arguments for the historical Adam and Eve, is the genealogies that we find in the Bible. You see, they are the most striking thing for the argument for historicity, because the whole purpose of a genealogy is to trace a person's historical lineage, their lineal descent. And if you have a genealogy that is populated with poetical or mythical symbolic literary figures, the whole thing becomes meaningless and the whole thing falls apart and it cannot stand upon itself. And this is why I believe quite a few times we have in the scripture genealogies because our faith is a historical faith. In 1 Chronicles chapter 1 to 9, we have nine chapters of genealogical records. They're those verses that we skip over when we're doing our Bible reading plans because we don't really know what to make of them. It's part of our history. And we get all these characters. We get Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. We get Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We get the 12 sons right up to King David and on. All these uh, extremely important historical figures in the Bible that no one would dream questioning their histor historicity. Christians, obviously, um, I'm referring to. But how does this genealogy begin? Look at the verse on the screen here. What's the very first word? Adam. He is the foundation stone of the genealogies that we have that bring us all the way through Noah to David and everything. You cannot disconnect him historically from the rest of the figures in the Bible. And I believe this is made because the point is driven home when we if we're reading our Bibles, we follow it through from the Old Testament. And then we get to the, the age of the New Covenant, the New Testament. And we're in chapter Luke, chapter three. And we have this genealogy of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. It says when he began his ministry. Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli. I won't read the whole thing, but it goes on and on and on for about 15 verses of genealogical records. And then it gets to the verse 38, and it says, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I don't see how the Bible could be more clear that Adam and Eve were historical people than this. And if we disconnect it, we not only disconnect our, the descendant in a long, long, long descendant, the last Adam, from the history that he's connected to. And remember, he had to be connected to this history because one of the important things is that there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. The humanity is important. That's why we have these genealogies. That's why Adam as the first man is very important. That's why you have this first Adam, first Adam, last Adam connection there. It's so integral to Christian theology. So we don't want to remove the history. We don't want to remove the theology. Um, and it's the word of God. So whenever we study these things, we're going to be equipped. We're going to be edified. We may be challenged. And that's a good thing. In many ways, it causes us to search out the scriptures. So as far as Adam and Eve, why they matter, I'm hoping that just within these short, short bit of time, I've given you some reasons why we need to think very carefully before we uh, relegate Adam and Eve to a secondary issue. There will be a slightly longer talk coming your way. Uh, I've written a book on this subject actually that you can see there up on the screen. That was just a, it's a small booklet. You could read it in a, in a day or so, but it goes into this in much more depth. Um, so I hope that was uh, edifying for you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wish I could have been here with you in person really, but we do what we do in these times. Bless you guys. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, for, thank you very much, uh, Tommy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I, yeah, I think for, for me, 
um, it's so important that uh, my, the, the faith that we hold and that we live by has its roots out there in the real world, the world of history, the world of science, the world of, uh, of nature. Uh, God as creator is so vital to our faith. But also, it's, been ha it's real for me. So amazingly, following his ascension into heaven, which really, we believe, really happened, uh, scientifically impossible for a, a human being to float up into heaven, but we know that uh, that's how Jesus went back to heaven after, at the end of his life, then sent the Holy Spirit. So every one of us has that uh, confirmation in our own hearts that these things are true. And uh, we just praise God, but as, as you said, essential to know it's not just me making it up inside my own little head. It's actually out there as well and shared in each of our lives and hearts. So it's like nutcrackers. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, tell me. Okay, so... Um... <laughs>